Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to a pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, flying solo for a, uh, probably it's going to be a shorter show tonight. I know the holidays are here, so I uh, bet people will be busy tonight. I know there's a Hawks game on as well, which is where Adnan is. Um, But I am here to bring you guys some content, and I know lots of people will watch this later as well, uh, possibly to avoid your family or just to get a break from your families, uh, if that's what you'll be doing on Thursday. But welcome in, everyone. Uh, as I'm going to be here by myself, uh, I will be able to take some more of your questions. So if you guys have uh, questions in the chat, feel free to throw those in, and I will get to as many as I can throughout tonight's show. But the big question tonight is, can the Falcons survive the loss of Kyle Pitts? Because that is the big one on everyone's mind. Uh, it's not as simple as it might appear either because I know some folks are, you know, very pessimistic about uh, Kyle Pitts' presence in the offense and how he was utilized and the fact that there wasn't a lot of production there, nowhere near close to uh, his rookie season. But his value is more than just catches, right? Uh, it, his his presence takes some of the pressure off the run game. It takes some of the pressure off of Drake London on the other side and Difficult to uh, see for sure what the Falcons will do to replicate that production. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Falcons win over the Bears and sort of where they stand uh, in the standings. Probably why it's called that, right? Uh, and, and sort of talk about their chances of, of pulling this thing off and, and, and finding a way to make the playoffs. A uh, little bit on the Commanders game. We'll have a full Commanders preview coming on Friday morning. I recorded it uh, with former Commanders wide receiver Anthony Armstrong. So definitely look forward to that one coming out on Friday morning. Um, but we'll also uh, kick things off today with a, a quick update on the injury report um, and some roster moves that occurred. Uh so today's Falcons injury report, uh, which is Wednesday for those listening to the audio, uh, nobody missed practice, but we did have five players limited. Uh, Felipe Franks at tight end uh, did return to practice today. This is the first time he's practiced, I think, in over two weeks. So that is potentially meaningful uh, considering the Kyle Pitts absence. We also saw Caleb Huntley limited with an ankle. Uh, Arnold Ebikati, the pass rusher, limited with an arm injury. Uh, Chuma Idoga, who started at left guard last week with a knee injury, was limited. And defensive tackle Jalen Dalton was limited with a toe injury. So not necessarily any concern about any of these guys missing the game at this point, but um, definitely a lot of big names on there to keep an eye on in case they do miss any additional time this week. Um, for the commanders, who the Falcons are going to be playing this weekend, uh, they had a little bit of a busier injury report, so we'll just get to that real quick. Uh, quarterback Taylor Heineke 
it was a full participant with a back injury, but you know, considering he's he's he must be ailing enough for them to mention it. Um, limited participation this week uh, on Wednesday for the Commanders. Center Tyler Larson, linebacker David Mayo, wide receiver Dax Milne, uh, tight end Logan Thomas, and defensive end Chase Young. Uh, based on what I've heard from the Washington folks I've been talking with, it seems like it's really a coin flip whether Young is going to play this week. Um, it's not necessarily a health thing. It's more of a he hasn't really practiced much at all prior to this week, so they're trying to work him in, and we'll see if if that uh, ends up translating him into him actually playing, but probably not going to be playing a full complement of snaps. Um, I think they said like they're probably going to keep Young on a snap count even if he does play, so uh, something to monitor but uh, could possibly miss the game as well, Chase Young. And then three players uh, did not participate on Wednesday for Washington. Linebacker Cole Holcomb, who's a starter there. Uh, Defensive end James Smith-Williams. And then cornerback Benjamin St. Just, uh, who was uh, a starter there and went out in last last week's game with an injury. So uh, definitely some, some names to monitor there over the rest of the week to see if Washington will be down any players in this matchup. Um... But yeah, let's let's uh, start with the news of tonight. First, uh, the Falcons officially re-signed wide receiver Frank Darby to the active roster. He'd spent the majority of the season on the practice squad. Uh, sixth round pick in 2021. Hadn't really cracked the lineup. Only had, I think, a few snaps when he was elevated. Uh, but Darby is back on the roster now. Um, may portend another wide receiver injury that we haven't heard of um, but it doesn't seem like anyone's missing practice at this point. So it could also be that they're just looking for more depth in the, the receiving core uh, because Pitts played a lot of snaps as a wide receiver as well. So that is definitely something to monitor. Uh, what's up, George, Jeremy, Nico, and Dwayne? How you guys doing tonight? Appreciate you coming in. Uh, yeah, Dwayne asks, uh, any interest in kicking the tires on Daryl Henderson, that Los Angeles cut? I mean, I, I love Daryl Henderson. I think he's good. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on with his cut. The thing is, like, the Falcons, if there's one position that the Falcons don't really need help, it's, like, running back, right? Um, it's it's a pretty stacked room. I'm just not really sure uh, that they can hold any of the running backs on the roster, to be honest. I, I do think Daryl Henderson is a very good player. He's going to have interest. Um, I don't really think he moves the needle for the Falcons. I think with, with Patterson with Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier like it's a it's already a pretty crowded room so um I'm not expecting them to to make any uh attempt to go add any more running backs I think they're pretty happy with what they have and they're gonna see if these guys uh develop Jason Cain's Kevin Silla tonight feels like a post-game show yeah it feels like a post-game show after they got waxed right I always have to do those alone but no it's uh I'm giving I'm giving the crew the night off all right this is this is just so that this is just me tonight um but yeah, uh, so I wouldn't expect him to be interested in, in, in uh, Daryl Henderson. Um, so yeah, I moving on um, to the Bears game. You know, watching it, it, it was sloppy in the first half, right? Um, I think on rewatching it, I, I was a, a little bit happier with Mariota's performance as a passer, and like much less happy with his performance as a runner, which has kind of been a uh, a real change right um 13 carries for 25 yards definitely not going to cut it for the Falcons and for Mariota um they they need more from him on the ground especially now that they're, they've lost Kyle Pitts um but the Bears are a bad defense and they're they're gonna get 
uh, a much tougher test this week against Washington. It's a really difficult matchup for the Falcons. So we'll have to monitor that one. But really, I mean, a win is a win. And that's the important thing about the Bears game, right? Um, they, they needed desperately to get that win to snap that losing streak. Really couldn't afford a loss against the Bears. And, you know, like I said prior to the game, it's like if the Falcons can't beat the Bears, then who are they going to be favored against going forward? Like they need to be able to beat the easy teams on their schedule. Um, Washington is probably not one of those teams anymore. I would say if you're looking at like like the Saints game and the Cardinals game are probably two games that you would circle as being easier matchups now than Washington, which I don't think anyone would have ex- expected going into the year. Um, so, you know, it, we may have to chalk this one up as a loss. We'll see. Washington just has a really dangerous defensive line, which has really been the kryptonite for the Falcons offense when they have struggled, you know, against the Panthers. Uh, they got dominated up front, and this is a, a front that can really cause problems. They're really good against the run. They're great at rushing the passer. We know the Falcons don't pass protect well. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a tough one, but it's important that the Falcons were able to get the win against the Bears. Uh, it helps their their conference record, of course, because those, those tiebreakers could be crucial if they're really trying to make a push. And I think it's big for morale, obviously, to get the win. Um, but they're they're still just 5-6, and six, uh, and they, they have to contend with the Bucks who are five and five. So Tampa Bay does have a couple of difficult games left. They could still lose some games, but the Falcons more or less have to keep pace and, and, and keep winning to keep pace like with the bucks, like that. Otherwise they're not going to have a chance here. Um, and the other side of the coin is that if the Falcons were to beat Washington this week, uh, they would have tie break, like head to head tiebreaker wins over three potential wildcard teams at this point. Um, Washington would be one, of course, Seattle and San Francisco. One of those two is going to be a wild card team from the NFC West, almost certainly. So it's shaping up to be possible that the Falcons could make something happen, uh, you know, in that way, right? Uh, a potential wild card if the wild card teams fall off. You know, we I think we're going to see the Giants take a step back. That team is extremely hurt, especially on the offensive line. Now they're going up against Dallas this weekend, so they... They're probably not going to win a whole bunch more games this year. Um, you know, they're already at seven wins, so they're two ahead of the Falcons. But uh, it it's tough uh, to, to see a path to the wild card realistically. But if the Falcons only need to tie, they don't need to get a, a win ahead of these teams. Then that opens the door a little bit more. Um, the best path, of course, is still just beating the Bucs. Um, We'll see how the Bucks look coming off the bye. Uh, they were starting to get it together a little bit, but I wouldn't say their win their wins were particularly impressive over the last couple of weeks. So it really depends on how they play. If they keep faltering, then anything could happen, right? The Falcons could lose the next couple of games and still be right there with them. But if they get it together and start winning, the Falcons really have to continue to win as well to keep pace. Um, and it starts with they need to probably win these next two games. Uh, at Washington and then home against Pittsburgh to to have a chance to keep pace. Now, maybe you could switch out some some games that maybe people thought would be losses uh, before the season. I, I thought the, the Cardinals game was probably going to be a win. I know some people were more afraid of that matchup. I also thought that the Falcons would lose against the Saints in Week 1 and then beat them in a revenge game. So if they can beat the Saints and the Cardinals and, and then, of course, take that Week 17 game, which would mean, of course, that they went three and one in those last four games for those keeping score. Then, like anything is possible, but I think it's very—it's going to be very challenging for this team uh, 
to to win enough games to successfully win this division. Um, but it's not impossible, so keep that in mind. Um, the issue is, can they do it now without Kyle Pitts? Uh, so that's a good, as good a, a time as any to transition. However, I do want to get to to a question here from Dwayne. So hold on one second, guys. All right. By the way, guys, like and subscribe if you're in the chat. I know it's a smaller crew tonight, but I appreciate everyone hanging out with me. Uh, I know uh, a lot of people are probably already traveling or already with family. So if those of you uh, sticking it out with me tonight, I appreciate you guys. Um, I know that the Hawks are playing as well, I think. That's what that's at least the excuse that Adnan gave me. So you guys tell me if that's correct. But um, yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, Dwayne asks, uh, everyone mentions how Patterson should play at wide receiver. He's huge, though. Could he fill in for Pitts at tight end? Could could Patterson play tight end, hypothetically? I mean, if you look at the Falcons' tight ends, the guys that they tend to focus on, they actually are shorter tight ends. Uh, Parker Hesse's a bit of an exception. He's a little bit bigger, but, like, Michael Pruitt, I think, is only 6'3". Um, they had John Rain in here, who was 6'1". Anthony Ferkser is 6'2". Uh they're not obsessed with height at tight end. I think they're obsessed with the weight, and that's where Patterson, he's probably in the 230s, I would guess. He's not, like, outlandishly far away from being a tight end, but I think you just have, you probably have to lean on Patterson as much as you can as a runner, um, that dynamic ability there. I mean, I, I would definitely split him out wide more and utilize him as a pass catcher, particularly on those those short things, but the the Falcons passing game is so unreliable anyway. I just don't know that it really matters that much. But it's an interesting thought. Um, I do think that they're more than likely, and I know everyone hates to hear this, they're, they're going to, if Felipe Franks is healthy, they're going to try to get him in there. Um, because as much as we all hate it, it, he is the player that's the closest to Pitts in terms of like measurables and athletic testing and all this. So they are going to try to utilize that and get him involved. He is supposed to be the Pitts backup. We'll see if he can catch anything, right? I mean, he's had a couple targets that he really struggled to bring in, but I do have a little bit of hope that that Felipe Franks can do something. Um, in training camp, he was so impressive. He was he was catching passes from everyone. He looked great. I think the talent is there. I think he's 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 able to do it. He just hasn't done it yet, and and it's different when the lights are on, right? Um, it, it, it's something that. It's not quite the same as practice. It's not quite the same as training camp. It's not even the same as preseason um, playing in a regular season game. And I think that's something he that Franks is going to have to adjust to after playing, you know, quarterback basically his entire career. So we'll, we'll have to monitor that. We'll see if he can do it. But I think it's it's time for him if he wants to prove that he can play tight end and, and be a factor. He's not going to have a better chance than over the next four to five weeks um, this season. Uh, he's really got to do something to prove himself there. Um but the the difficult thing is like the and we talked about this at the top of the show too that the loss of Kyle Pitts doesn't necessarily hurt you as much from a production standpoint in terms of like raw passing game receiving production he was getting a lot of the targets remember but the stat that's been thrown out a lot and it's still true is that Kyle Pitts, over 30% of his targets were considered off-target or uncatchable or however you want to frame it. So he was getting targeted a lot, you know, in in the context of this passing game, which is very low volume. I mean, the Falcons have thrown the second-fewest passes of any team, only behind the Bears, uh, by the way. So I, I, I think that Pitts should have had more production 
if the ball was on target, right? Um, really should have been better. Uh, I'm disappointed in, in that from Mariota more than anything, probably, is the failure to be able to get Pitts more involved. That's a big limiting factor there. But um, it's more about the Falcons being able to take the pressure off the run game because right now teams are going to just sell out to stop the run game and they can double Drake London and then sell out to stop the run. And I don't know that the Falcons really have an answer for that. Alameda Zacchaeus has shown that he's capable of going out and catching some passes and and making some things happen. And Demir Bird has started to come on. Uh, You know, Tyler McCullough uh, brings up a good point. Like Brian Edwards, could he possibly be active again? And like, yes, probably, you know, with Pitts gone, there probably is more room for Brian Edwards to play. Um, so I think there, there's a lot of options for sort of replacing Kyle Pitts's production, which again, as, as was mentioned is, was, wasn't like crazy impressive, but it's more about the presence on offense, right? Uh, what he brings, the threat that he presents that teams really have to respect his deep speed and his ability to, to be a game breaking talent, even though it hasn't necessarily happened a lot this year, Without him out there, it's it's quite dire in terms of teams can really just sell out to stop the run. And, and the Falcons, to start the season, were excellent at beating stacked boxes. I think they're still capable of doing that, especially against poor run defenses. But they're going to be going up against a really good one um, in the Commanders on Sunday. And it's going to be a big test. And, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about what we can expect from this offense going forward. Um it's, it's going to be really challenging because teams are going to sell it to stop the run and they're going to force Mariota to throw. And he's been very limited as a passer. Hasn't really been a difference maker there. Certainly that's maybe the rosiest way you could put it. So I mean, maybe they lean on him more as a runner. Maybe they try to, to adjust the passing game splits. You know, it's just, it's been really difficult for them to take advantage of teams stacking the box. And I think that's what's really holding this offense back from being good. I don't, I think actually they're, their weapons as a whole are very good. Like I think the Kyle Pitts, Drake London combo is, is really strong. Like those are two top threats in the passing game. I think they have a a group of guys behind those two that are capable options like a Zacchaeus and Kadero Hodge has been better than expected. And Demir Bird is starting to come on. So I think they've assembled a good receiving core. They have some talented tight ends. The offensive line is the other big, like limiting factor. It's not just Mariota, it's the pass protection as well. They play better against the Bears, but the Bears are probably the second worst pass rush in the NFL. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe worse than the Falcons even. So, not going to give them too many too much credit for that game. They have a much much more difficult test this week and, you know, the matchups don't favor them in a lot of ways because the strength of that Washington defense is on the interior with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. And those two guys are going to be coming uh, against Drew Dahlman, who really struggled against the Panthers, did have a bounce back game against the Bears. Um, and it, it seems like as long as he's healthy, it'll be Chuma Adoga again, who Arthur Smith praised a lot this week. So we'll have to see uh, how he fares, if he can be someone that, uh, you know, can can potentially do something on the offensive line. We'll, we'll see as well. Um you know, when Elijah Wilkinson comes back, I think that loss has, has hurt the offense significantly, maybe more than people thought. Um, so it's worth monitoring that as well, that there's more than just the Kyle Pitts injury to monitor Taquan Graham as well. You know, one of only a few quality uh, players in the defensive interior for the Falcons. So 
Um, yeah, Chuma was limited, uh, but I, I don't I don't know that any of the guys that I mentioned, like, I know people have asked about Caleb Huntley. He was limited. I don't really think his status for the game is in question. Chuma Adoga uh, was a, a knee injury, um, but he was just limited today. So these guys did practice in some capacity. It's Wednesday. So I, I think they've got two more days to show that they're, they're perfectly good to go. Um, I don't believe either of those guys left Sunday's game either. So I'm not too concerned about any of those guys missing time at this point. Um, so that's sort of the update there. I think if you're looking for direct production change, like at tight end, I think Michael Pruitt has shown a lot. Um, he was a guy I really liked as as a, a guy that I thought they should, they should sign. When the, when the Titans moved on, they eventually did bring him in late in training camp. And um, I think he's continued to show more and more that like this is a guy that I think is capable of being a tight end too, certainly for your team, um, or at least being a good tight end three, not a traditional tight end body, right? You know, 6'3", 245, 250, really been a, a good blocker. Um, Parker Hesse as well has been a very effective blocker. So they they are, are they have some tight ends that I think are, are capable of, of catching a few passes here and there. Um, no one's going to bring, you know, maybe other than Felipe, if he all of a sudden takes off now, no one's really going to bring that dynamic presence that Kyle Pitts does. I mean, I don't think anyone really can other than Kyle Pitts, you know, you, other than the other great tight ends in the NFL. Um, so I wouldn't really expect them to try really. I I think it's going to be more shifting and that could be why we saw, you know, Frank Darby added today. Like they're planning to go for, for more wide receivers out there. Um, we'll see, but it's going to be challenging, um, and I think it's going to lead to even more reliance on the run game, which, when it works, it works great. Um, so I, I think that when it does, when the run game is, is clicking, this team is very dangerous. When it's not, they don't really have a lot of options to take advantage. Um, so I, I'm just hopeful that they can find a way to keep doing it um, and find a way to, to take advantage of, of Washington's defense, even though it's very good. That's going to be challenging. Um, Jonathan Wiggins asks, uh, do you think we'll see the corner we acquired from Kansas City play this week opposite A.J. Terrell? I think they like Darren Hall. I, I think Darren Hall's actually been a pleasant surprise. Um, he, he's been playing well enough to just not really get targeted that often. Um, we'll see now that A.J. Terrell's back, he's going to get targeted much more frequently. I do think Fenton, Rashad Fenton is that corner that Jonathan's talking about. Um I do think that that Fenton will be active this week. He was inactive last week. I think he's still getting acclimated to the playbook. You know, he's only been here for like two and a half weeks now. Um, so I think that Fenton will be active. I think he'll get mixed in. But I think if 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 Darren Hall is playing well, continues to play well, I, I don't know that they would go away from Darren Hall. You know, they they've uh, they've been pretty. They've they've thrown him out there. He's played well. I think it benefits the team for Hall to get more snaps and for them to know, like, can Darren Hall be a reliable, can he be more than a depth guy? Um, you know, cause that, that could really change their draft strategy, their, their free agency strategy. If they, if they don't have to go add another big, big corner, um, that's big because they do have Casey Hayward under contract again next year. Um, and you know, I've, I've been sort of thinking that cornerback could be an early draft target depending on how the board falls and all that. But if Darren Hall's playing like a good cornerback too, 
and you have AJ Terrell here and you have Casey Hayward, it doesn't seem like as big of a need. It might be something that's more of like a day three, let's go for a developmental guy, which is sort of what Darren Hall was, instead of needing to make it a, a big, uh, big time addition. Uh, we got Nico with the $2. What's up, man? Thanks so much. He says, hi, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving from across the pond. Uh, do you, does the UK do Thanksgiving too? Or is that just an American thing? I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here, but let me know, Nico, if that's like a UK thing too. Um, do you think Arthur Smith has struggled to get the R running back workload right since Patterson returned from IR? Rhythm has seemed a little off in recent weeks. Huntley losing snaps, for instance. Yeah, I think they're trying to redistribute it. Um, I think they, they just need to go. I think they were trying to give Patterson as much as he could handle, but um, not trying to overtax him. And I think they just need to lean on Patterson a lot, lean on Huntley a lot, and lean on Algier a lot. I think the issue is that, like, they've gotten behind schedule. They've had the turnovers. And I, I, I don't know if it's, like, a game planning issue as much as they've just uh, not been able to string together as many drives as they should to really take advantage of all their great running back depth. Um, and it, and in that scenario, you're not you're going to see these guys not get that many carries because they do want to give all these guys work. Um, that's another reason why, like you know, Daryl Henderson don't really think that that's going to happen because they are they already can't get enough snaps, can't get enough carries for these running backs. Um, but yeah, great question, Nico, for sure. Um, yeah, I so on the topic of the offense, uh, still, I think that the answer like can they survive the loss of Kyle Pitts? It, you know. It, Honestly, I don't think so. I, I think I, I worry that this could be a negative turning point for the offense. And this is just me being pessimistic. So if you're confident that they can do it, more power to you. Um, I just think that the combination of losing pits and going up against a really good defense in Washington is going to produce a potentially ugly offensive game this weekend. I could be wrong about that. You know, the last time I felt that badly about a matchup was the, the 49ers game and they ended up, you know, really kicking the 49ers asses so you know my instincts are not always correct with regards to the Falcons especially that's why I never do any sports betting of any kind on the Falcons uh, ever I don't really do sports betting in general but um I would never bet on the Falcons because it's too emotion you know too close to it so um so I, I think that this could be a, a turning point in a bad way for the offense but I do think they'll have opportunities to continue to let guys develop, and I think they're going to use this opportunity to see what else they have at tight end, what else they have at wide receiver, probably try to to get the ball to the wide receivers a little bit more because we need to know which of these guys we need to bring back. You know, is like I think we know Zacchaeus is probably worth an extension. I, I would re-sign Kaderil Hodge. I would re-sign Demir Bird. Um, you know, I think it's safe to say we can move on from Brian Edwards, but, um, you know, Drake London... Lamade Zacchaeus, Kadero Hodge, Demir Bird. That's a good four pack of receivers that I, I think is nice. I think you add another, you know, potentially another higher end veteran in there. Um, and you add some somebody in the draft on day three. And I think you've got a group that's starting to look pretty interesting. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, Bernhard as well, Brandon. That That's important to know. I think that he could be a good slot receiver. They, they don't really, you know, uh, use the slot receiver very much at all. But um, I do like Bernhard. I think they do too. So I, I think you're starting to see like this is a nice group they have I don't think it needs like huge investment I I think that I think it's always smart to like add like a day three receiver every year and just see what you get um Bernard's on IR Brandon so that's why it's been quiet uh just so you know um I I don't know how severe his injury was we didn't really hear a lot of details that's sort of the MO of this coaching staff um so I think 
I think he's in their future plans. I just think he's he's hurt. Or perhaps he's, like, maybe ready to come back, but they just want to stash him. You know, I don't know exactly. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's sort of an interesting thing because it, the 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 player if the player is healthy he can get an injury settlement and go and go sign elsewhere um but if he's you know sort of questionably healthy it's it might be in his best interest to to stay on IR and have his contract carry over to next year with the Falcons so you know we'll see uh we'll see if that if that's what happens or or if if the, he wants to you know, get off of IR and potentially sign elsewhere so he could play um, if he's healthy. Uh, but we don't know. It, it, we probably won't ever know unless and until they announce something there. Um, but he's been on the roster otherwise, you know, injured reserve as well. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I do worry about the state of the offense going forward, I guess is the the the, the moral of the story without Kyle Pitts. I, I do think that it's potentially going to be quite bad um and it's not necessarily like oh you're losing you know 40 average yards per game or whatever that Kyle Pitts was generating it's it's less that and more that I think now defenses really don't have other than Drake London there's not a lot of threats to account for other than the run game and it takes away a lot of the danger because regardless of whether Mariota was getting the ball to Kyle Pitts successfully downfield which was not happening very often. He was getting open downfield and, and really ha- creating some opportunities for big plays. So teams have to respect that. Even if the balls weren't catchable, you know, he was still doing it and he's still challenging defenses that way. That's gone now. Um, they still do have Demir Bird, who's shown that he could he can stretch the field. And Zacchaeus has been a really dangerous intermediate receiver and so on. But Without Pitts, it just eliminates so much. And this is the same way I felt with the team without Patterson. Like, the dynamic sort of potential of the offense it has been reduced. And that just limits your options. It limits the way you threaten defenses. And that uh, is, is a bigger deal than just... That's a bigger deal than just the lost production of, you know... Which has not been great this year. But again, it's I don't think it's really a Pitts problem. I think Pitts... I think Pitt should probably have three or four more touchdowns that were just completely uncatchable balls to him. He obviously dropped some too. Um, but I, I think that he should have a lot more yards, like two to 300 more yards just from off-target throws uh, that that were open and several more touchdowns as well. And if he's got those yards and touchdowns, nobody's questioning Kyle Pitts' contribution to the offense. He was just missed by Mariota. Um Mariota's been a lot more reliable hitting Drake London and some of these other guys, but just him and Pitts, for whatever reason, was just not working. So, difficult difficult turn of events there, for sure. But yeah, guys, definitely continue to monitor the injury report. We'll continue to see if the Falcons make any other moves. Um, haven't really talked about the defensive line tonight. We, Like I said, Taquan Graham went on IR. He was one of the team's like best... I think he was the... He's actually higher graded than Grady Jarrett, which I disagree with, PFF. You guys know I have a love-hate relationship with their grades. I don't really think they're spot on most of the time. Taquan Graham, though, was having a good season, certainly. Um, They did bring in uh, Jaleel Johnson, who they claimed off waivers. He spent a couple of weeks on the Falcons practice squad before he was signed off it. Then he was cut, like last week, so the Falcons claimed him. Jaleel Johnson was one of my draft crushes a couple years ago, so you know maybe eventually, maybe now this is the long, the long game of him finally turning it on in Atlanta. You know that would that would really 
reinvigorate my draft take from like five years ago. So that would be great. But um, not expecting a lot there. I am hopeful for more from Jalen Dalton, who's been kind of making his way into the lineup and playing some more snaps. Hasn't really flashed at all yet, but I think that uh, that's someone they're going to be hoping, you know, steps up now. Um, Matt Dickerson, you guys might remember, he was claimed off waivers after training camp. Um, He was like one of their only waiver claims after training camp and he proceeded to play like a handful of snaps in the first couple games. And unfortunately uh, he hasn't played since he's been inactive most weeks. So I do wonder, um, you know, if they're going to ask him to, to play more now with, with take one Graham out, he's been a game day inactive, like I said, most weeks. So we'll see there. They must, they must see something in him. Clearly they see something there because they've, kept him as a game day and active for basically the entire season with him barely playing. So they, they must like something that they claimed him off waivers and they've carried him on the roster this whole time. So now's the time, right? To see <laughs> if they have something in Dickerson. I, I like the potential of Dalton, of, of uh, Jalen Dalton and Amir, uh, not Amir Abdullah. I always do this. Abdullah Anderson, the defensive tackle. I think he's played reasonably well like enough that you're like oh this is a guy you can rely on as like a rotational guy um the problem with the defensive line has been and it's been this way the whole season right is that other than Grady Jarrett there's just no impact guys um and they they need the impact guys you need that in the NFL to have a good defensive line and a good pass rush they have Jarrett but that's pretty much it um and and they have some good rotational pieces which has kept them from being just like god awful against the run and stuff like that but it's it's not great. So that that's another loss that they're going to feel and that's going to hurt this defense uh, going forward for sure. Um, Jeffrey Miller asked about the Will Compton situation. Your guess is as good as mine, Jeff. Uh, I, I have no idea what's going on there. I know Compton's like a podcast host and I, I don't know if he's like trolling or if he's just being silly or if there's like some weird thing going on with his signing, but Arthur Smith wouldn't comment on it. Um, as far as I know, there hasn't been any like movement on that and it's just a practice squad signing so to me it's like much ado about nothing it could be that Nick Kwiatkowski is potential you know he wasn't on the injury report today so I don't really think there's much going on there um so I think they're just trying to bolster depth so I really don't think it's it's a meaningful signing um you know maybe he could get he could get a you know a small contract on the practice squad and maybe be an elevation on some weeks if they need the extra linebacker depth, but it's uh, not I, at this point, it's not an official signing. Um, I don't know if he's just messing with people or if, if it really is that like he was told he was going to sign and then there's been some sort of hang up. So I don't want to assume necessarily, but uh, it's just a difficult spot. Uh, so I, I don't really know what's going on with that one. I, your guess is as good as mine. Like I said, um, yeah, guys, if anybody has any any further questions, we'll uh we'll get to a couple more here um before we we wrap it up. Um but I I think uh, we've pretty much covered it. You know, it's it's crazy how much faster this show goes when I'm the only one giving the takes. You know, usually we we would be you know, we would be on for another 45 minutes if if Adnan was here, right? So, um but yeah, we'll give you guys a chance real quick and of course like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Those those metrics really help us out. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you're listening to the podcast audio as well. Uh, so yeah, I'll get a couple more minutes here. We'll go and then we'll wrap up early so you guys can enjoy your Thanksgiving. All right. So 
Ray says Kevin Wax poetically about Felipe the Strong. I mean, I I thought like legitimately Felipe Franks was like one of the best training camp players. Um, so like I I think the potential is there, but uh, it hasn't appeared yet. So we'll have to see. Uh, I don't have much poetic you know if Felipe Franks catches a touchdown he's gonna get a five minute segment dedicated to him at least uh next week so you know Felipe it's your move buddy it's your move Jason Gaines uh, according to PFF Chris Lindstrom is the second highest graded O lineman in the NFL this season you are absolutely correct Jason he is also the number one guard notably uh I believe there's a tackle that's rated higher but uh yeah Lindstrom's been crushing it um this is why I was team Creed Humphrey this is why I'm team consider drafting you know a top an offensive lineman if you're picking in the 20s or whatever, um, late teens. Like, just get the good players. The position doesn't matter so much. If you draft elite players, it doesn't really matter. No one's going to care. Like, I know a lot of people were upset about Chris Lindstrom being the pick back when he was drafted. It's like, oh, drafting a guard at 14, what are you doing? It's like, well, he's one of the best guards in the NFL, clearly a good pick. You you see how many draft busts you have every, every year. Just draft good players, in my opinion, and go from there. Um... Nico, mock draft next week. Uh, yeah, I, I have said uh, the next game that they lose, I will do a mock draft, Nico. So if they are if they were to lose to the Commanders, you guys would get a mock draft next week. Uh, at the latest, I will do a mock draft uh, for the bye week. So if they do win out, you'll still get one on the bye week because at that point it'll be week 14. And it's like, that's maybe the latest I'll have waited uh, in a long time to, to, to do a mock draft. But um it's interesting. It's always interesting with the Falcons at, at this point, kind of similar to last year. They're teetering on the brink of like playoff contention and a top ten pick. Like it's on the razor's edge. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But but yeah, there I've I've been getting my draft takes you know to go. Like I've already got some some name some name guys. You know I won't pretend that I've watched a bunch of college tape or anything. But, uh, you know, John Michael Schmitz, uh, the center from Minnesota. I mean, elite center name. So, love that. Um, you know, I, I've got my Bijan Robinson takes ready uh, to, to infuriate people. You know, running back in the first round, that's always going to generate clicks, right? Um, yeah, I no, I, I, we'll have to see how the board falls and, and where they're picking when I end up doing the mock draft. But there's definitely a, this is a good group to have a pick in the teens a lot of really good offensive tackles, like potentially four to five could go in the first round. So I think, you know, for the Falcons, I, I would right now, my gut is telling me like offensive tackle is a really strong chance. They might not have him play offensive tackle this player uh, to start at least um, like Peter Skaronsky has been a popular pick for the Falcons. He is a natural center. Uh, he played center in high school, was recruited as a center obviously has the ability to play tackle and has played it very well. I could see the Falcons taking him, putting him at center for a year or two, and then having him eventually be the heir apparent to Jake Matthews over time or whatever, but we will see. Um, let's see. We got Brandon Brass. Uh, do you think we will elevate the cornerback Reed to run across from Terrell, or is Fenton going to be the running mate until Hayward gets better? Yeah, Brandon, I, I think it's going to be Darren Hall. Uh, I do think Fenton will be active now because he's had two to three weeks now to learn the playbook. So I think Fenton's probably going to be active as that first man up. Um, but yeah, I think they're I think they're pretty happy with what they've seen from Darren Hall. I I'm pretty happy there. Um, so 
I don't think they'll need to, but I, I, you know, I think Reed is an interesting addition and we'll have to see, you know, what he does. But uh, at this point, more of a depth guy, I think. I don't know that they're going to rely on him to really play much. Um, Brandon Brass says, Brzee. Yeah, I, I honestly wonder if like Brian, I, I do wonder if Brian Brzee will even be available when the Falcons are picking, to be honest with you. He seems to be going like more and more in the top 10. So um, it depends on how the Falcons play. Like if they win a couple more games, probably not. If they don't win any more games, then absolutely he he would uh, be a, a, a strong option if they're picking inside the top 10. Um, all right. So uh, we got Jason Gaines uh, asking, uh, with the Saints going to be in salary cap hell this offseason, they will, absolutely. Um, which veteran players do you see them cutting to get under the cap? I mean, they could – yeah, re- that's the problem, Jason, is like they can't – they don't really save a ton through cuts. Like I've, I've looked into it. Like part of the problem with their strategy is that it ke- – like the only way to continue making it work without doing like a Falcon season like they're doing now – except probably even to a greater extent at this point, like they have to, they have to start restructuring guys again. Like, you know, Michael Thomas, the only way to, to really save significant money is to make him a post June first cut, which of course just spreads out his money even more or to, to do a restructure to save another 11 million or whatever. But then you're just kicking that even further down the line. They can definitely, restructure like cam jordan and marshawn Lattimore and, and and you know a lot of these guys like they can create plenty of money but they're just like doubling down and creating a future problem um where if any of these guys falter or get hurt they're just in really big trouble um they don't they honestly don't have a lot of great options to save cap in terms of cuts um like they could save a little bit by cutting Andrus Pete, but there's way too much dead money on most of these guys. Um, you know, maybe Will Lutz, the kicker, they could save 3.7 by cutting him, but then you don't got a kicker. They could save 4.4 by cutting Jameis, but then you don't got a quarterback. Um, and, you know, maybe they're just going to go with Andy Dalton, who knows. But um, there's really not a lot of gray avenues for clearing cap in terms of cuts. And the same, the same is, it's basically exactly the same with trades. Um, so it, they're in a really tough spot. Not a lot of great options, I would say, um, to clear cap. They're they're sort of in a bad way, and a lot of this money is also void years and things like that. that you can't really do much about. So um, it's tough. It's tough for the Saints. You know, I will be celebrating it, of course, but uh, yeah, it's a tough break for them. Uh, they've they've set this up though by continuing to do this. And big props to Terry Fontenot for realizing. We can't go down this path. I, I see where this path leads with the Saints. Um, and I don't want that to be our team. We're gonna start over. We're gonna we're gonna take our medicine and have a down year, which really hasn't even been that down if we're being honest. I mean, so they're five and six. It ain't that bad. Um in exchange, the Falcons will have a completely or more or less completely clear cap situation going forward. Now they just have to nail the new contracts, right? They have to sign the players that are gonna be good values, that are gonna provide good return on investment get get some impact guys in here and go forward so you know i don't i wouldn't heap too much praise on the falcons yet because they still have to to make the right additions and not you know make the wrong additions in free agency which can be just as dangerous as not making any additions at all um but we'll see uh i i do like the the framework of what next year looks like and we'll see of course how it actually goes but uh 
I definitely feel better about the Falcons 2023 outlook than the Saints, who are basically going to have all the same problems. No first round pick, which at this point would be a top five pick. Um, and you know, no first round pick. They've already they've traded other picks away. They're they're not in a great in great shape there, and they have very little to no money. So they're going to already be sort of stretching their resources even further. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough break for them. But I, you know, you won't see me too upset about it. Uh, but yeah, guys, appreciate everybody hanging out tonight uh, for it for a more you know intimate close knit session here on the Falcoholic Live. I don't think I've actually done a Wednesday show solo in. It's been a long time, so it's it's been interesting. It's been fun. I appreciate you guys coming in and hanging out. Um, and we will be back, of course, uh, Friday morning will be the game preview. So if you're interested, check that out. Uh, it'll be up on all on uh, here on YouTube as well as on the podcast platforms. And, of course, we'll have the post-game show immediately following the Commanders game. Uh, going to be a tough one, but there's a chance. There's a chance. Um Oh yeah, George, I meant to tell you this. Yeah, we, we didn't actually like get any snow um, here in Syracuse. It was like maybe an inch or two. Um, it just, it all hit Buffalo. Um, it all hit Buffalo and uh, we didn't get much at all here in Syracuse. I think the north side of the city got like three to four. We got like an inch, maybe two over the course of those couple days. But yeah, it did not really uh, affect us, thankfully. Uh, but that's just how lake effect goes sometimes. Um, you know, it, sometimes here in Syracuse, we get it really bad. Sometimes we get nothing. Um, it's very localized for those that don't know lake effect. Uh, it can be like within five miles, you could have completely different snowfall totals, uh, because of the nature of how lake effect works. Um, so thankfully, I appreciate you asking George, we're, we're totally fine. Didn't have any issues there. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, again, thank you so much for watching. Uh, please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, give us a five-star review if you listen to the pod on the audio platforms. Um, and if you don't mind, you can check out our Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Live. We will be trying to squeeze in a Q&A next week if we can. Um, so keep an eye out for that probably Monday, but I'm still trying to secure the guests. So keep your eyes open for that, patrons. Also, of course, you guys get ad-free early access to all the podcast episodes, uh, including the audio of this episode if you're so inclined to listen to it again, I guess, if you're watching it live or uh, listening to it, whatever. But uh, lots of good stuff there, and we appreciate all the support you guys are giving there. Uh, also got uh, Senior Bowl news coming. Uh, we'll be announcing you know, our, our plans for the Senior Bowl my plans for the senior bowl this year. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to that here on the show and on, on the site. Uh, draft season is right around the corner, regardless of how the Falcons are playing uh, one way or another. We're going to get the draft takes here soon, guys. So appreciate again, everyone for tuning in, for hanging out. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving week. Enjoy your uh, time with family or alone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, George, there might be something like that. Uh, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, it'll pro- I'll probably, in- I think the we'll announce it probably next week, um, the plans for the Senior Bowl. I'm still trying to finish up the planning with the site. Uh, but yeah, keep, keep your eyes open. Uh, there will be all that. I didn't do cookout at training camp. You're right. I, I will get to cookout at uh, the Senior Bowl. I drove right past it, actually, so I know where it is. Um, so I, uh, I, I have to get there. I think I can make that happen for sure. The cookout, uh, cause I've had, you've, you were, you know, championing it. And then other people have, have made it clear that I have to do it as well. So I, perhaps a live streamed cookout, you know, uh, show or something like that. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much once again. I will talk to you next time here on the Falcoholic Live and the Falcoholic Podcast. We'll see you. Enjoy the rest of your holiday week, and we'll be back on Sunday for the postgame show. Until then, guys, have a great night, folks.